Premiering Wednesday, Beyond Westworld. The question, how do you kill a man who may be a machine? A scientific genius has built human-like robots programmed to endanger the world. He's planted a robot on a nuclear sub. The mission, locate and destroy it. Watch Beyond Westworld, premiering Wednesday at 8, 7 central. to yet again another welcome to another uh, stirring and exciting and controversial episode of uh, Saturday Night Movie Sleepover. <laughs> this one's controversial? Yeah, it's, uh, they're always controversial and, and, and rather uh, epic. Um, I'm Dion Baia, joined with Jay Blake. As always, happy to be here. Uh, and this week we're going to talk about a huge, huge uh, movie, and 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 uh, uh, I don't know, it's 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 just big in 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 scope and everything. It could be uh, an important movie, it is Mo- very important possibly movie. the most important movie we've done so far. Yeah, I think you might be right. Um, it is 1984's uh, Terminator, Jim Cameron's Terminator, and um, it is pretty pretty epic. I don't even know where to start with this. Um, let's see. What I like to think about with this movie, I mean, clearly, you and I alive in 1984. Yeah. Probably even saw it. I didn't see it in the theater. I know that. I didn't see it in the theater. But either. probably saw it not too long after. My, my history with it is that <clears throat> my father had HBO and he taped it the night it premiered on HBO. So my tape used to have the dun 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 dun, dun you know the, the the Saturday night HBO opening yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was the tape and I put this and I don't know why yeah so that's like eighty five I don't know why I was allowed to watch this movie but I was and then I took this tape and I went around to all my friends' house and, and yeah, so we, you gotta see this yeah we, and I showed it to everybody and to the point where some kids I remember this one kid uh, Dominic I won't say his last name but he was so upset he didn't want to watch the violence so he walked out of the room. Yeah, yeah. And his mother was like, it's okay, Dion. He doesn't want to see this. And as opposed to saying, like, you, you should know, turn this yeah, off. <laughs> Dion, this isn't really suitable for a seven-year-old or a six-year-old. And she's just like, you know, don't worry. He'll go and set a ball for his older. <laughs> so I was, like, <laughs> I was like, okay. I guess she wanted to watch Terminator. <laughs> yeah. so, um, um, but my point is, uh, 1984, um, young Dion and Blake, um, I think when you're a kid, um, at least 
you know, our generation, you know, in previous casts, we talk a lot about G.I. Joe and the Transformers and stuff. I mean, I think with as a kid in a, with an imagination and you watch something like a movie that is fucking awesome. Yeah. And crazy in scope. Yeah. Uh, as a kid, you're like, yeah, this is how it should be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this is what my this is what my brain is like. You know, this is my imagination. But I always I often think about with Terminator like what did someone older? Like what did our parents fucking think when they saw this movie? Cuz I can only imagine that it blew people's minds. Like how could it not? I don't know. I remember the joke when I was very young, my dad, he probably just like joke with me, but he said he saw it in a theater, and, he, and this, the scene in Tech Noir, when the Terminator gets shot and falls down, Schwarzenegger's character, my dad's like, I thought the movie was over! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember him saying that to me when I was little, then he gets off and starts firing his Uzi, and I was like, oh, dad, you're crazy, you know? And also, you, you know, not knowing... Well, if people do it blind, like how it was promoted, <clears throat> like it's a very low budget movie, we're gonna, you know, of course we know that. It's, yeah, it was, it was, well, I mean, we're gonna get into a lot of that, and a lot of it being very different than yeah. it is in my mind, than it was in my mind in terms of production values and stuff. Um, uh, it is a very low budget movie and very raw. But we're not saying that that's a, that's in, in any that that. Probably only helped it. Yeah, it's, it's, no, I'm not saying it's. But a it's bad, just probably it's a bad for, thing. It's just post production. They probably didn't have a lot of promotion. I think it was word of mouth, and then it got so big. People like, like in it. hindsight, like in my mind's eye, watching it this time, like it's a lot less polished than I remembered, and that like that didn't take away from me enjoying watching it this time. But um, not knowing, like, not remembering, not knowing how it was promoted. Like, I'm watching it this time, trying to think about. Trying to imagine that I had never seen it before. You know, trying to put myself in that mind space. Like With, I, like, a mean, midnight screening in 84? Yeah, this. like, trying to think of, like, were we... Like, at that point, did we know... Like, obviously, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger kills somebody pretty early on. So, we're, we're, and, you know, initially, like, okay, like, we're, we're cued in that Schwarzenegger's character is not a good dude. But what do we know about Michael Bean's character? Well, you, you know, know, like not knowing, like, do we know that these two guys are going to be pinned against each other at some point? Um, you know, just trying to think of like what was already given away in commercials and movie trailers. And I stuff. remember watching it, and I don't know if it was because I saw it and then I, I took the tape and went around to all my friends' house. I could watch it with anybody who would want to watch it with me, or people who didn't want to watch it with me had force it on them. And I remember either their speculation about it or maybe me having this idea that you didn't really know up until the climactic scene at Tech Noir, the club. You yeah. didn't know really what was going to happen. You knew that Schwarzenegger's character was killing people because he yeah, kills yeah. like two or three people before. But you don't know what Michael Bean, yeah. Kyle Reese is going to... You, you know, don't you really know what his role is Yeah, yet. you don't know if he's also going to be trying to kill... But then I guess you would think... Uh, you know, us 35, 36 year olds going to see the movie, we kind of feel like, okay, he's the uh, protagonist in it. And Schwarzenegger's the antagonist. You'd kind of yeah. see. Um, but who knows? I mean, it could have went the way that, like, I don't know. It's also, it's the age of, like, the anti hero. Yeah. You know, it's actually a little bit past the age of the anti hero, but, like, anti heroes have become a thing. So. But you, you had know. the Chuck Norris's, you had the Stallones in the theater doing, like, but, Rambos. And yeah, but you could have had, I mean, who knows? There could have been, like, some crazy plot twist that 
Well, there kind of the was. Terminator, the Terminator was the good dude. Yeah, which <laughs> you know what I mean. The second one. Um, I I know we we you and I especially talk about that. There's I, I I don't know if there's a lot of them, but there's a couple examples for me and for you of the perfect movie. Yeah, you yeah. cite Back to the Future. I think Back to the Future brilliant. Okay, and you and and, and we're talking about a, a a perfect movie in the sense where the script is so tight it could be taught. Yeah, and there's yeah. not one. To me, I feel like the script for Back to the Future is airtight. Yeah, and and it could be taught in a class of beats, uh, breakdown. It's of, str- it's of dramatic acts. structure yeah. is like to the t- to the to the you know it's textbook uh, to the T, and not in like a negative like rules are meant to be broken kind of way. Just that like they you know just there's a clock and everybody's motivations are perfect, and that's the way I feel. And about there's not that a lot of like there's there and also I think that the parameters of this is there's not like a lot of bullshit or there's. No bullshit that doesn't yeah. directly... Everything's advancing the story. Yeah, the there's nothing that's like, well, what about this character? It's, it's like, no, everything is purpose. Every shot, everything is in there to advance the plot. And I think another one we talk about where you and I both agree on is the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. That movie's another airtight where it's like every shot in that movie goes to that advance the plot. That is movie sh- it is... It's shocking how good it is. Yeah, and, and, and you might not even get that on the first or second viewing. No, no, that's the beauty viewings. of that movie is that you could watch that movie a hundred times and it, there's so much uh, depth, not necessarily to the story, but just to the filmmaking of it, The uh, that you would maybe see something new every time. Yeah, and I would venture to put on the table, throw the Terminator's hat in the ring with this is another movie where this script is so tight and so good. It, it's, just, it's just propelling forward and there's nothing really arbitrary in it that just stops the plot. I mean, everything, and maybe that's because of the limitations they had. I think probably it was, you know, in the budget and all that. But yeah. it just seems like everything is going to, 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 to make this just a very, very tight, very good action sci-fi movie um, i wouldn't argue against that i think you're i mean i think you're right i mean it's it, it it's a tight movie i mean it there's no pussyfooting around i mean it gets started and when it goes it goes, it, it goes and you're just along for the ride there's no even when it slows down it it's playing a very it's still imp- advancing the plot important part yeah. Of its plot. It's not like, you know, uh, you know, a drag race. This is more of like, you know, doing several laps and pacing yourself for the ultimate, pay- for the payoff. But there's a lot of sprinting in it as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody's, just, you know, everybody, does, you gotta, you're, hitting the home, you're hitting the stretches and people are, and they're, they're pushing the pedal down. Uh, it's weird, the backstory for this movie. Um, Cameron at the time was working for Roger Corman and yeah. was doing special effects work and then, uh, also, I think it's Cameron. I think it's worth knowing. I believe Cameron worked on Escape from New York also as a special effects guy. Oh yeah, you you, you alluded to that before. You told me that. What what is the detail? I think he does some. I think he did some of the matte paintings and some of that stuff for it. So I mean, he was uh, Cameron was a guy who was working kind of uh, behind the scenes uh, as a young filmmaker, but not necessarily as a director yet. Yeah, he had some sort of weird backstory where he was like a truck driver in Canada for a while not really following his dream. His parents were really smart. I think he went to school for like engineering or something like, you know, smart. He's driving as a truck driver and then he sees uh, Star Wars come out and does gangbusters. He's like, fuck, that's what I want to do with my life. So he just drops everything. And at that point, I think he's like 30 and he goes and he starts working for Roger Corman in like the special effects department, does some 
uh, special effects works for Corman, and then Corman he meets the girl Gail Hurd, who's a producer, and yeah. they like him enough where I think he's recommended to direct the sequel to Piranha Piranha Two, starring Lance Henriksen, and. Uh, he starts doing that, and he gets fired. I think like a, uh, several times on Piranha Two because they want him to direct it a certain way. And then camera's like, "No, I have a vision." And they're like, "Fuck it, we want you to do it the way we're telling you." And they're like, "No, no, no, no." So they fire him. But he goes to Italy, or he's in Italy shooting it, and he takes it upon himself to like sneak in to like the 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 uh, offices where they have the, the the footage, and he like takes the <coughs> the Piranha Two footage and starts like himself. Like you know, cutting his footage <coughs> yeah. in like an editing suite until he's like kicked out of there. And there's weird urban legends where he like he went into a police station and stole like a police uniform to be able to get access to get into the to the to the studios to get access to his footage for Piranha Two. But needless to say, he's so stressed out that that what's I, going on with Piranha Two. He's in Rome. He's also I think there's also part of that is that he gets sick. Well, this is yeah he gets he gets the flu because he's he's sick there and he has this crazy dream while he's in Rome of the Terminator and it's basically the Terminator coming out of the fire and yeah, it's an the android the endoskeleton yeah. or and also the endoskeleton cut in half and very much like a slasher movie he describes it where it's like got a butcher knife cut in half and it's like dragging itself with the knife cut in half at this victim and he's like that's a great idea and he comes back home and he's and he's um he also, and this is something I don't know if he ever admits to, but they were sued and they had to give like a, a, a credit to him. There's a Harlan Ellison short story, which basically is the beat structure of the Terminator, where it like, takes place in the future, goes back in time, time travel. So I don't know if he was reading sci-fi at the time, and this, I think the story's older, the, st- the story's from the 70s or 60s. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as much as uh, Harlan Ellison is a great uh, sci-fi writer, I've heard that he like sues everybody. But yeah. I think here he had validity, and I think they settled because at the end of Terminator, there is like a special thank you to Harl. They, they, they have to mention him in the credits. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. we did rip off him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. needless to say, Cameron really, he, he has this great idea. He pitches it. He, he tells the, 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 the woman in it, um, Gail, her as a producer, he's like, I have this great idea. He pitches the idea. They're like, oh, this is great. Through the Corman workshop, he has a friend that works with him that has a connection to Orion. He goes, pitches it to Orion, and Orion's executives are like, well, that's not really a sci-fi movie. And he's like, it is. There's time travel. There's robots. What are you talking about? And they're, they're like, well, it's a love story. He's like, yes, it is a love story, but that's the beauty of it. It's a love story. It's a sci-fi. And they're like, they're, they don't really know. Finally, it gets to the, to, to the CEO of Orion, and Orion's like, the CEO's like, it's great, let's do it. And they start, th- he wants Lance Henriksen to star as the lead. Yeah, yeah. They suggest OJ. And yeah. he's like, you know, because OJ was a huge actor. OJ Simpson was a huge actor at the time. And he's like, no, I, ha- I-, I have an idea. Um, yeah, he wanted it to be someone that was inconspicuous. Yeah. Like which the is Terminator brilliant. could be anybody. Yeah, and, and it's interesting that uh, Cameron's also a artist in the sense of like like painting. Yeah, yeah. So he painted a lot of stuff. He painted the the yeah. original endoskeleton. His yeah, dream like fever the, dream uh, concept art. He did on kind of on his own. And there's also concept art where he did where it's it is Lance Henriksen. Yeah, it's like it's Lance Henriksen. Half of his face is Lance. Half of it's like the endoskeleton. And he's holding a gun, and that was like his concept. This is what I want to do. And people are like, this is great. Um, so he pitches. He wants Dick Smith, who's involved with um, 
uh, Roger Corman to do the, the, the makeup work. And Dick shout, Smith. Shout out to our Dick Smith post. We love Dick Smith. <laughs> the cast. Yeah, again, if you, if please go check out podwits.com. Uh, Blake and I do a side cast there. We did a cast on our great, uh, notorious uh, Dick Smith story that we have. <laughs> That, 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 that our, our night with Dick Smith that we had. So please go An check out that cast. With Dick Smith. I think that was even what the cast was called. So go check out podwits.com and our, our podcast about Dick Smith and our evening with Dick Smith. But as a testament to how great Dick Smith was as a gentleman, he said, hey, look, this story is great. I love it, but I don't think I'm the right guy for this. I think you should give it to this guy, Stan Winston. And they're like, who's Stan Winston? And then we find out who Stan Winston is because he goes on to do, like, you know, uh, Terminator. He does Aliens. He does Predator. He does a whole bunch of pumpkin. (laughs) Director of Pumpkinhead. Yeah. So, um, and then Stan, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but Stan really says, well, we didn't have to really do any kind of background preliminary art pre-production because James Cameron had already done it for us. So uh, they, they, they get greenlit to go, and... um. We have Arnold Schwarzenegger enter the, the equation because at the time Conan just come out and they his agents and the people at Orion are suggesting they put Arnold in as um, the protagonist in the in the in the movie yeah. to play the, the, the Reese the, Reese's character the Michael Bean turns out to be character they Schwarzenegger and uh, Cameron have lunch and they both agree in their heads while they're doing it that. Uh, Schwarzenegger is miscast if he goes out for this they, they should swap roles <laughs> and it come comes with, out come with me if you want to live yeah and it comes out later on that like uh, a lot of people that was Schwarzenegger's idea in his head and people were like you shouldn't do this a lot of you know he was just getting a start in Hollywood he was just getting a hit and they were saying like it's you're, you know this is career suicide if you play a villain and Schwarzenegger to his testament because a lot of people think of him as like a mindless idiot he was a millionaire by the time he got famous because he was over here being an entrepreneur with like um, real estate, he, had, yeah, he made like a lot of money. Bricklaying business, or yeah, something. he made like a lot of money. A, he was a savvy businessman and before he even became like an actor. And he was Mr. Universe. You know, he 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 had the fortitude to like you know be Mr. Universe, which is uh, documented in um, what's the name of that documentary? Oh, Pumping Iron. Pumping Iron. Yeah. So he thinks like, no, I'm suited as the Terminator, and he pitches it to Cameron. And although it wasn't Cameron's initial idea. Cameron's like, oh, okay, that's pretty brilliant to have a, you know, Cameron's initial idea of the Terminator was to be, like we said, the Lance Henriksen, someone who blends into the crowd that's like a snake or like uh, Lance Henriksen, who was up for the role, his idea was it was going to be like a praying mantis where he was going to be very, like, nuanced and he had... Lance had such an idea for the role that he showed up at the audition <laughs> yeah, yeah. with like, like aluminum foil like over his teeth yeah, and stuff. Scared and like the hell, yeah, scared the <clears throat> hell out of the secretary because he's sitting in the waiting room at, in character as a Terminator with aluminum foil on his teeth. Like, you know. And they find, oh, this is Lance. We worked with him in Piranha 2. Don't worry, he's not a nut. He's, he's in character for the role. And it was almost going to get cast to him. And it's really weird. I, I, I was thinking for this cast, we should almost start a what if segment <laughs> yeah. for our podcasts. So we should think about what if... What if Lance Henriksen had played the Terminator? Yeah, Schwarzenegger played uh, Kyle Reese. Or if OJ played the Terminator, <laughs> Schwarzenegger played Kyle Reese, Dick Smith did the makeup. That's a big what if for this movie because there's, there's, there's a whole thing with every movie that, you know, what if this person was originally cast or whatever yeah, in a certain yeah. way. So I think that's an interesting game we should play for any other s- cast coming up. What if? So... Lance uh, doesn't get the role as the Terminator, but he gets a role as a really good part in the movie anyway, as one of the yeah, cops, cop, with, yeah. with Paul Winfield, who's a great actor who's passed away. 
Uh, and Schwarzenegger gets the role as Terminator. Um, I'm going on a bit. Uh, Michael Bean um, auditions, but at the time he's doing, uh, uh, he's auditioning for Cat in a Hot Tin Roof, the Tennessee Williams play, uh, Cat in a Hot Tin Roof. So he comes in, he was doing like three hours of, um, of auditioning for that. So by the time he gets in to do his audition for Kyle Reese in the Terminator, he's got a Southern accent. So they say, you know, uh, later on his agent finds out that Cameron and his people are like, you know, we love uh, Kyle, we th- uh, or Kyle Bean, Michael as, as the thing, but we just didn't want him to be as regional. We wanted him to be a little broader. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, he had a Southern accent. And, and Michael Bean's like, fuck, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't shake my accent for this audition. So they have him come back in and he reads... Uh, without an accent, without an accent, he gets cast as Kyle Reese. And then lastly, they find Lyndall Hamilton, and they want her to be the, I guess Cameron had the idea of the Ridley Scott, um, uh, Sigourney Reaver character. He, he had the idea of, of being a strong female, like a slasher film protagonist. Yeah. And they pick her because she can play the innocent girl at the beginning, which I think she does superbly. And then yeah, by the yeah. end of it, she has that coming of age that... On your feet, soldier! On your feet! You know, where she's able to, like, drive and be the force that, like, much yeah, like a yeah. slasher movie is. Uh, and I think I've set it up enough where we can get into it. Um, I think, lastly, what I'll say before we open the table up, have you noticed in this... When I watched the movie... It never hit me as hard, but w- the soundtrack mixed with the pacing, it's a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. It's a fucking Absolutely. horror movie. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a sci-fi movie, but, you know, the, the, it's the brutality of, like, the Terminator killing the roommate Ginger, that whole sequence with, yeah, the, yeah. with the soundtrack and her trying to crawl away. It's just, it's just horrifying. The, yeah, it's totally a horror movie. I mean, I think that's one of its strengths. I mean, you talk about how Cabern was like, it is a sci-fi movie, but it's also a love story. And it's very much a horror movie. I mean, the ter- you know, the Terminator is a monster. Um, and then you think of like all the nuanced fear. I mean, we talk about in horror, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, universal fear and specific fear and that horror is, you know, it's the strength of horror and the popularity of horror comes from the aspect of that, like, they're toying with it. Like, what scares us? And yes, okay, the brutality of the the murder, the murders and stuff, and the home invasion aspect of it, uh, to the, the the idea of opening your door and just being shot by somebody, uh, horrifying. But then there's all like there's this more kind of uh, you know uh, this idea of that thinking of her Sarah Connor's fear of like okay people with my name yeah are being killed and like this like just think about like how scary that would be yeah and it's it's interesting her realization of that because at the beginning of the movie she's she's played like a victim i mean even yeah, to yeah. the part where you, in, you intro her she's a waitress She's having a horrible day as a yeah, waitress. Yeah, kid I mean, puts a scoop of ice cream in her pocket. And, like, <laughs> and I, I, I love the, uh, you know, the, the, the ADR is like, uh, good going, kid. Maybe you should get the tip. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. she's like, come on. You know, and then you come in and then, then she, she has a date. The date cancels on her. The date cancels like, on her. She's got a lizard. Yeah, the lizard, you know, that's completely. his only pug, Pugly or whatever his name is. Do you think that the lizard, I mean, I guess it's an iguana. It's not really a, I was going to say, like, it's not like a, like a chameleon. I was over there was this like maybe this part of like this idea of like uh 
I don't know, some kind of correlation of there being like a lizard and there being this Terminator. I guess I'm. Well, I mean, you I'm look. Just, I guess if you look at like if you want to start. <laughs> Doing I'm that trying kind to of, think. Trying to think of it. Like I do theory, find, film theory. It's like you know, she's taking care of the iguana, and, and at the end of the day, you know, she ends up at the end of the movie taking care of Reese, her protector. You yeah, know? yeah. And there's, you know, there are these subtle things throughout the, which I think goes to what you're talking about with like kind of the, the perfection of the script. Even like the the her her message, on the answer machine. It's like you're talking to a machine. Oh yeah, ha, ha, Ma- fooled machi- you. Machine, yeah. Machines need love too. Yeah. And uh, there's just a lot of this, like, little subtle things. I mean, that's not as subtle, but uh, there's a lot of, like, little nuances that are really beautiful in the writing of this movie. Um, and, and, I mean, that's, I think, we have to hand uh, hats off to Cameron how good he was in just writing and knowing what he wanted. And um, another interesting thing that, I guess, goes into the what-if area of this is that they were planning to shoot this in 83. I think they were thinking, like, the spring of 83. They They had mapped out huge sections of Canada to shoot in. I forget what city. And they'd gone through the point where they actually had, like, permits to shoot. And then Dino De Laurentiis found out that, you know, Arnold was going to be doing this movie. And he's like, no, I want uh, Arnold to uh, have another role at Conan. And he pulled some sort of, I don't know what he did, but he, he told Conan, uh, told Arnold that you have to come back and do Conan the Destroyer. So um, they had to stop production down because they didn't want to lose Arnold for this role. So they had about six months uh off where they they sat around and do nothing while Arnold went and shot Conan and I think uh, in uh, foresight um, if that's the right word um, that Cameron and everybody said that was a huge benefit for the film because they were able to with with the time they had they were able to Cameron actually just I think just storyboarded every single shot of the movie they had to regroup rethink a lot of the stuff they set it now in LA which I think is brilliant and um they had enough time to do enough where another side uh, story, which has nothing to do with this podcast, but in that time, um, Cameron had an in at 20th Century Fox. And at the time, 20th Century Fox wanted to do the sequel to Aliens. They wanted to depart away. Ridley came back. Ridley's like, I'm ready to do a sequel. And, and they're like, well, Ridley, we don't really want to go your route again. We want to make it a little more action film. So we're going to not use you, Ridley Scott, for the sequel. And... The in that they had, that Cameron had at Fox, gave Fox a copy of the Terminator script. They loved it so much. They said, "Well, let's see what this guy would do with the uh, aliens." He came back in the six months while they were on standby to shoot Terminator, with all this concept art, with a whole like phone book of a uh, of an idea of what he would go with aliens, and they loved it so much that down the road they ended up using all his painting and artwork that he did for Aliens to be the concept stuff that they use for the, the production of the special effects and the aliens and the technology and the, the gun the art the marine gunners and he basically got the job and they I guess I don't know if he knew at the time but the executive said if Terminator is a hit this is our guy for aliens and it ended up being a hit yeah. which was great but it's, it's just interesting to see how much of a I don't know of a genius or just whatever you want to call Cameron that in the six months of pre-planning another film he's able to take the minute and write up all this shit that yeah, will yeah. eventually in two or three years in 86 turn into Aliens, the sequel yeah, to Alien. Yeah. That's amazing. So they took the time off and they came back and uh, they were able to shoot uh, Terminator in the spring, I think in March or maybe, the, I guess, the late winter of 84 in L.A. And it's this really awesome tour de force, you know, where they just they keep the plot moving and even, in, which is, a, I think, a brilliant use of, um, of plot work, you know, exposition is always clunky. 
And it's yeah, always yeah. hard to get exposition ac- across without it sounding like exposition. So what Cameron does, he just does it through action sequences. So there's that whole thing where Kyle Reese is, yeah. is escaping. explain it to her. But. And he's explaining it to the audience, but he's doing it while they're like, you know, weaving through yeah, the streets yeah. and they're getting away from the Terminator. And it's just like, it's so it's such a great way to just dump your exposition on your lead character and your audience. Yeah. You know, through just action. Always surprised that... Uh, Michael Bean didn't hit it bigger. Yeah, I, I am too. Because I think he's great in that. You know, he's 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 good in Aliens. He's great in the great, Abyss. Uh, great in the Abyss. Really great in the Abyss. Great Tomb, in Tombstone. Yeah, Johnny Ringo in Tombstone. Um, and he's good looking guy. Like he, like all the elements are there. Yeah, he's uh, in the, he's in the other movie with Demi Moore. What's the name of that movie? With it's the, the the oh like the Seventh Sign. Yeah, or something yeah, he's, like yeah. That. He's in that as well. You know, that was like kind of a late eighties movie. That you know, yeah, you're right. I don't know why he didn't. It start him a little. There's some people like you know we've talked about with like Bruce Campbell. There's some guys where you just like, you look at them and you're like everything's there. But what like, happened? Why didn't it hit? Yeah, you know that just goes to show you like what, what a crazy business it is. You know, like it's just like a, you you know you're given the cards you're dealt and uh, you know and sometimes it's luck. Who knows? Um, but he's he's great in it. Uh, Arnold, great. I mean, it's great that Arnold doesn't have a whole lot to say. But I think that works to his benefit. No, that's what I mean. It's like a good... It's a good part for him. And And it's weird because there's so much... I guess when you watch it a lot, there's so much nuance that actually, you know, okay, he's playing a machine. How hard is that? But there's so much nuance into his role. It it, it is hard. I mean, because you think about, like, there's a lot of ways you could go with it. Yeah. Um... And I would imagine Cameron, you know, was a big part of that performance as well. Uh, but he, well, Cameron does give credit to Arnold where he's saying that Arnold, they both had the idea of, like, say, a robot with efficiency. What's the best way? So yeah. when What's even most, Arnold, yeah, when he's yeah. grabbing a gun, how would most, of it, you know, you don't, you're not going to use anything but you need. But Cameron gives the, the credit to Arnold where there's the scenes in close-up where, like, say, they're in the... Uh, Arnold's commandeered a car, a yeah, police car, yeah. and they're in the the, the the alley or the garage, and he's looking, and Arnold's almost like a shark, you know. Yeah, so it's yeah. like his eyes move first, then his head, and Cameron says, you know, he didn't realize the brilliance until he went the next day into and they're looking at the dailies, and it's like, oh my god, it's like the, all the efficiency of your eyes, or yeah. you know. And I think it's really cool that Arnold doesn't have a lot of lines because when yeah. he has lines, they're that much more ominous, and you yeah, know, yeah. It, it's 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 deadly, and there's a lot of. There's not a lot of cast in the movie, but there's a lot of like recognizable. Bill Paxton's right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, one of the punks with him is the dude who ends up being the bad guy in Cobra. Cobra, yeah. And he's in a lot he, of stuff nowadays. Yeah, he's like in a he's in a, like a lottery commercial. Yeah, he's in a lottery <laughs> commercial currently in New York State right now. Um, you have um, uh, the great character actor Dick. Um, what's his name? The, who plays the gun owner who's in Gremlins, who's also oh, yeah, Roger yeah, Corman. Yeah, yeah, Who's in Bucket of Blood by yeah, Roger Corman. He's a, he's, a, uh, he's also in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Dante's, all Joe Dante's movies. Yeah, he's in it. He plays a cameo. Uh, we have Lance Henriksen with Brad Winfield, who are two characters, which I think they should have their own comic or movies. The two of them just... They yeah, really... Yeah. They could be such cliched characters, but they do it in such a way where it's just so fun. They have a great chemistry together. Um and, and they it, hate each, they and berate it, each other, but it's loving. Yeah, and it doesn't feel forced. And there's just like the funny things, like about like give me a cigarette, and then he's already holding one, and he kind of like shrugs it. You off. know, he's or or uh, he gives um, Lance gives 
Paul Winfield his the, the thing, and he's like tell, he's and Lance is telling him the stuff on there, and then he's reading it, and then he's like he he has glasses, like you know these work, you know like the glasses, yeah. or at the end, you know he's he says something to him, and then he uh, Paul Winfield turns around and goes yo mama to like Lance, it's very good, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, and yeah, it's it, it's but the plot moves and like you know I mean basically if you don't know the story of it right now is that they're at the beginning of the movie, Schwarzenegger shows up you don't know who he is and he has a mission he goes to the phone book finds three Sarah Connors and he systematically starts trying to kill all three, Michael Bean comes in, um, they meet they all it all climaxes the uh, uh, the first big sequence and they meet at a bar which is cool called Tech Noir yeah and um, you find out that Michael Bean has been sent back to protect her against the Terminator who's targeted her for termination because of this po- post-apocalyptic war against machines and the... Yada, uh, yada, yada. Yeah, the, the John <laughs> Connor, her, her future son, is going to rise up and help the humans defeat the machines. The machines thought, hey, you know what? Let's send a Terminator back. It's, a, as they call it, a retroactive abortion. To, to, if, if, if they're yeah. able to go back in time and kill her, they won't have this problem in the future. And this is the... Then Bean's got to keep her alive to, to have her have her destiny fulfilled. And that's basically the movie. Um, it's also very, and like you said, very much a love story. Like Bean's motivation, besides his orders by John Connor to protect his mother, is that he loves her. Yeah, but do you think he travels through time for her? I mean, he says that to her, like I did yeah. it for you, Sarah. It's so it's like it's like you're like, oh my god, it's such a great. Do you think the? Uh, I mean, we're speculating, of course. Now, do you think? Kyle Reese knows that he's John Connor's father. I'm sure John Connor knows. So, but I don't know if John Connor are going to tell Kyle. I don't know. I mean, that's the interesting thing about you know uh, science fiction movies, and you know, I think we did a whole. I believe we did a whole cast on time travel. We did, which is also on the side cast. Check us out at podwits.com. Um, that's kind of the beauty of telling science uh, fiction time travel movies. Is that it? It becomes thought provoking in that you start dealing with like alternate realities, and because you get to this point where like okay, he's John Connor's father, but John Connor sends him back, and then there's a great line that has a I think a beautiful payoff. Uh, you know, props to Jim Cameron where he's like, I used to have this picture of you, and I always used to think, what were you thinking of at that moment? Oh, I know. You look so sad. You and he studied every line, every, every <laughs> nuance. Yeah. And then at the end, you find out that she's thinking of him in that picture. It's yeah. It's almost it's it, almost it, bringing it, tears to my eyes. I now. actually just got a little. <laughs> a little and you know, up. especially like at the end of Act Two. There's a flat. That's another thing to go about how good this movie is. But my is. point is, there's this always this question of like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah. Um, and you wonder how many times has this played out? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like an, it's an it's okay. Maybe the first time it was some white night stand with some other guy, but now it's played out how many times where it is Kyle Reese or it's somebody else or you know it's a very it's mind boggling yeah it's, and you could you could think about it and theorize it forever and never have a definitive answer yeah. and that's kind of the beauty of time travel movies in a way and um it's a whole other animal I mean, and this one the, you know like it is it's it is thought provoking and like I said you could wrestle with it and you could come up with a million theories and it's one of the things that makes a movie like this kind of great it's because like there's there's meat to chew on you yeah. know what I mean it's not just uh, you know 
just a very not that there's anything wrong with kind of like an action plot where it's very clear what the, the, the objective is and what's going on but this is that but it also has like this underbelly of like really interesting thought-provoking science fiction um and it, it, it that's makes it so much sadder at the end of act two where he has the flashback of the terminator infiltrating his his future world and kills everybody and Kyle loses the photo and you see it burn away yeah, and it's yeah. like it's so sad and it's, you know there's this weird thing which I realized this time around like that flashback yeah it's like I feel like watching it this time it's like unclear which one of them is having that dream yeah yeah it's very she's ambiguous. like your world is crazy <laughs> yeah. whatever, whatever the wakes, line is she falls asleep so you th- he's talking to her she falls asleep and then he wakes her up yeah but at the same time, she can't be having that dream because that's actually what happened to him. Yeah, yeah. You so know? it's, so it's, it's also very, this like weird, very um, and it's and it it, it plays on like this higher connection level. that they might have in a very subtle way that's never paid off. And like there is like this moment of like, like are they sharing the dream? Something or does she know on a higher on like a more metaphysical level than what's going on. And right that now. little flashback tells the whole story of the. the the humans in that world you have just you know the people crying in the background they're catching rats to live they're I think that you know, flashback and some of the lines by Reese though kind of make things not work for the next movies yeah and that he's like I had to wait for him to kill to, to attempt something so I knew who it was the Terminator in that dream is not Arnold well because it's if, I guess it looks like that he, he when he's talking about the exposition in the when he gets her into the parking garage when they're switching He's cars. Like, well, we can't tell who they are. Yeah, they used to have rubber skins. We can spot them easy. And I think, I guess, maybe, uh, which you kind of lose the canon in the other movies, that there's more than one. There's not model. just a Schwarzenegger. There's not a, <laughs> yeah, not a Schwarzenegger yeah, there's, model. There's, 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 Schwarzenegger, he's a T-800 model 101. And I don't know if that means he's a newer model, so maybe the T-800 is the newer model, but... Maybe Schwarzenegger is the model 101, but there's maybe 102s, 103s, yeah. because there's a Spanish guy that infiltrates them at the, in, in, in that scene, in that flashback, yeah, that yeah. starts killing everybody. And you see his red eyes in the dark, which you don't see with, with Schwarzenegger, or maybe we don't have the, the ability to see yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so you don't really know, but it's interesting where, yeah, they don't, you know, Terminator, Schwarzenegger's Terminator is fresh off the line. So it was so much so that they didn't, they didn't, he didn't know going back. He, had, yeah, he says he had to wait for him to make a move so he can spot him. Yeah, which is yeah. brilliant as well. So you have to wait. Literally, he's using her as the bait. Yeah. And I guess since we're on that particular scene, it's amazing. And well, that's what I mean in terms of like, sorry to interrupt you, yeah. where she thinks he's the bad guy. Oh, because he's like, she sees this dude yeah, stalking. Yeah. She gets fr- afraid that's, of him. And that's what I mean by like, as an audience member. Yeah, who is this drifter? Like, she, 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 do we know yet that he is not a bad guy? And she seeks refuge in tech noir from him, yeah, not yeah. Schwarzenegger. And she calls the cops, calls her uh, roommate Ginger, and that's how the Terminator, who's murdering them there, finds yeah, out like, on the machine. He's like, yeah. And that's another brilliant. He turns around, stops what he's doing, steps on the Walkman technology, yeah, yeah. comes over, finds a picture of her student ID, knows what she looks like, and he goes right down there. And it's that whole sequence there is brilliant because... They have uh, the diegetic music in the background, the, the music. Now, diegetic, for people who don't know, <laughs> yeah. is uh, music you hear within a scene. So if I turn the ra- radio on in a movie, that's diegetic sound. Then if you hear the score of the movie, like the background or whatever, the climactic, that's non-diegetic. Yeah. And what's brilliant in that scene is 
Cameron slows down the action, and, and then all of a sudden the diegetic music starts going away, and then the score starts coming up to build tension, the non-diegetic music. And you get this little ballet of like, it's almost like time slowing down, but it works, but you don't even notice it, probably on the first or second viewing. Yeah, yeah. And it gets very like, oh, and it's like slowing the climax of what's going to happen. He spots her. He's taking her gun out. Kyle spots him. He takes and his gun out. Deer, like she's a deer. Literally a deer in the headlights. She's got the red dot on her head, head, and then bang, it goes into to, to real time, and there's the big shootout. It's amazing. And then it's like, you know, it really emphasizes the drama and the climax. And I think that the... Uh, the budget they had really lends to how they uh how the movie came out because they didn't have a lot of money they had a lot of i'd say at least maybe 80 percent of the movie shot at night which at the time the producers were telling them, we can't do that it's gonna you know really uh add to more costs but yeah, he was he time was, and, and he was like no it is a night movie we need to shoot it at night and i think it, of course he's right it lends yeah, to yeah. being a night movie and also the guerrilla style of filmmaking in that, where they're talking about near the end of the movie that they didn't have like enough money where they're just walking out like we're they're just grabbing shots. Like, Arnold, put the jacket on as a Terminator. Go punch this window out and start the car and drive away. And they're just grabbing shots and going away. But it, it just lends itself to how good the, the, uh, the movie is, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's... Cameron is... You know, there's a... There's a beauty of youth... To, to kind of filmmakers' early films. And, um, you know, I don't throw the word genius around very often, and I don't even know if I would really use it here, but I think that there is... He is operating on, like, another level of creativity that is not, I think, typical to even other filmmakers. I think he's a great filmmaker, and I mean, I'll be as ballsy to say it. I don't think he's made a bad movie. I mean, yeah. a lot of people knock Avatar for being just another uh, rehash of Dances with Wolves. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people knock uh, Titanic because it's just a like a sappy love story. But if you want to get Titanic filmed and not be a night to remember Sir Walter Lord's original book that they turned into a movie, which is basically a docudrama, you have to, you know, you have to put something in for people to care about. So he made yeah, it a yeah. love story. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, same thing, kind of with Avatar. You know, so you could take your knocks at that. But aside from that. Terminator, Aliens, great fucking movie. Um, the Abyss, great fucking movie. True Lies, it's the it's the uh, never it's the, it's like the Forbidden Bond movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. True Lies is a great movie. Uh, Titanic, and then you have uh, Ghost of the Abyss, which is a documentary about going to, to the Titanic and finding the Titanic, and then Avatar. So I mean, he's only made like it's like Kubrick. He's only made like a under ten movies, but they're just so or like Quentin Tarantino, where they're so groundbreaking. They've changed cinema, maybe. Not so publicly as Quentin Tarantino has, where people like, you know, but he's oh, certainly... I think Terminator, I think you could classify Terminator as a movie that changed kind of the course of filmmaking. Yeah. If, for no other reason that it led to Terminator 2, what did that if, that's, if that's the only reason, then that changed the way people used uh, computer effects. Or the, I think the abyss, he kind and of the pushed abyss, the abyss yeah. there. But, uh... If that's the only reason, but I, I think that, um, you know, it's, you know, I'm sure, look, uh, you know, anybody, you know, like, Deanna and I are, you know, for the lack of a better term, a little bit of, like, kind of film historians <laughs> to a certain extent in that our love and we've studied it, but, you know, I definitely don't, you know, know everything. And I would say that, yes, you could pick examples, but I def definitely think that it is a very great example 
that's pretty early on before it becomes a trend of like that fear of technology. Yeah. Well, because you were almost the the mid eighties. You're on the cusp of what's going to happen. Where are we going to be in twenty years? Are we going to have hoverboards yeah, and yeah. cars that fly? You know, all that was very much like the, this notion of artificial intelligence causing technology to be the the dominant race. Oh, it basically just it it becomes self aware and realizes that we're the missing link. Yeah, like hey, problem. like why do we not? You know, like why are we the slaves to this? To these these people who you know <laughs> slaughter themselves on a daily scale and slaughter all the other beings on the planet. Um, but yeah, I would say that it's. I think it is a groundbreaking movie. I think it it's it's low budget. Um, like I said, it was it was surprising to me to see kind of how crude it was to a certain extent. Like just that, like I remembered it differently. Like I remembered it being like more polished. I remember you hadn't seen it in a long time. I haven't seen it in. At least 15 years, wow. if not more. Uh, you know, like, even in the beginning when he, like, you know, puts his fist through that guy's chest and, like, he pulls it out. Like, for, in my head, it was different. You know, it wasn't, like, the cutting wasn't quite as unpolished as it was in my brain. <laughs> yeah. You know? And that's, you know, I'm not saying that that's, like, a negative. Um, it was just an interesting thing to kind of realize as I'm watching it. Um, I think the effects are great. There's something very comforting to me about seeing like practical effects. Yeah, practical effects and stop motion and the use of like double exposure for Matt for King and and Matt and stuff. There's there's a look to it that is hyper real. They blend it kind of like seamlessly. Where oh, it's a beautiful job, and especially for the budget that yeah, this Stan, movie must have been made. I, th- I think Stan Winston and Cameron agreed they didn't want it to be a guy in a suit, so they they wanted to try to figure out what to do. So with the combination of actual uh, prosthetics, he's putting yeah. on Schwarzenegger's face versus they actually made some puppets. Yeah, yeah. For the T eight hundred at the end of the movie to the endoskeleton versus then the. Uh, Stop motion where they would yeah, speed yeah. the. Ca- I guess it's not even stop motion. It's 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 miniature work where yeah, they're speeding yeah. the camera. But that, up. That, yeah, but that is like you know, you know and stuff animation. on wires, which you don't even you can even tell any of those uh, HK hundred yeah, killer yeah. machines are on. But wires. there's a lot of stuff even in those that future stuff that is miniature um, with rear screen projection with and, rear screen projection. A lot of stuff, and you know, look, it's it's you can tell, but uh, you know, in a way. Like for art, you're in my generation. Like that's real. You know, that's the way movies are. This like polished animation almost always reads false in a way that that other stuff didn't. And I think it has to do with, you know, what you kind of grow up with. Like everybody says, like for everybody, there's like saying that, like, you know, when you talk about like pizza, like what's the best pizza? people's best pizza is whatever pizza you grew up with yeah. <laughs> you know well, and, and uh you know to you that's what the best is um and to a certain extent i think there's a little bit of that going on like to me seeing that is real yeah well he then and it's interesting stan points out that they wanted to use the special effects almost as a storytelling device as opposed to putting the sh- the, the special effects uh, showcasing them and using them as a as like, oh, look what we can do. Yeah. It actually advances the story. Um, and it's it, like, you know, they, they got their, their, their kind of, they were all big fans of the early sci-fi movies and they loved, in particular, War of the Worlds, the 50s yeah, yeah. 
um, cinematic telling of Orson Welles's radio play, so um, or his version of, of H.G. Welles's uh, book. So they, they, they took cues from that for like the flying machines and also um, Schwarzenegger's practical effects. And I love the evolution of Schwarzenegger's character through the movie where, you know, he, he takes a licking, but he keeps on ticking. Like <laughs> there's the scene where outside yeah, yeah. the alleyway of Tech Noir, he's running after him. They set off a, uh, like they blow a car up. He jumps out. And I never noticed as a child, but you notice his, at that point, his eyebrows are gone. Yeah, yeah. He's got yeah. this really trendy cut hair because his hair has been singed off. It's yeah, fucking yeah. brilliant. Then, they, you know, he rolls off the car because he's singeing and they, they put like acid on his, on his uh, jacket so he'd be smoking. Yeah. And yeah. that, I think one of the writers or producers, I never knew this, but a friend of mine, uh, Luke Whitmire, who occasionally does reviews for the Potwits, he told me, that that cop, this is one L nineteen, and that he commandeers the, the car from. He's one of the producers of the uh-huh. movie. He shows up in Terminator Two. He's the guy that remember in the mall when when uh, Schwarzenegger and the T one thousand had the first face off. He throws the T one thousand through the wall and he ends up in yeah, the store. Yeah, yeah. T one thousand gets up and starts walking away. And, oh no, I'm sorry. T one thousand throws Schwarzenegger through the wall. Gets yeah. up. Schwarzenegger walks away. There's the guy taking the pictures. Same guy. Same yeah. actor. And he, he they, they they put him in both movies. But it's just. And then progressively as the T-100 gets banged up, where, you know, he gets into the car accident, he comes in and he starts operating on himself. And I remember as a child that being a really gruesome scene that a lot of people couldn't, couldn't deal with. Like, first him working on his hand, yeah, and then yeah. him, like, cutting the, the pupil out. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and then to the point where later on in the movie where he's, uh, after the police st- scene where he's all shot up and he's, he's rotting and there's flies on him. And everyone always, for me... There's that scene where everyone always loves the punchline of where the guy's like, hey, buddy, you got a dead cat in there or what? And he's like trying to figure out what to say. And he, <laughs> says, he says, fuck you, asshole. <laughs> Me, my favorite part of that is the end where he, he gets the address of Big Ben or Big Bear where mom lives. He leaves. And there's this great uh, dolly shot where oh. they're just tracking with him down the hall. And he's and holding like, like a black guy. Yeah. The, and they're they're the holding, it's, it's Schwarzenegger's walking in the alley with like, a, he's, he's got a, he's got a shotgun. He's got a freaking like a, a machine gun in his air. He's walking down the hall and there's this black guy walking down the hall and the black guy makes room for him. And as he passes him, the black guy goes, God damn. <laughs> and then they cut. And it's the best. That's, that's for me is the, my favorite line in the movie. The guy, the black yeah, guy's yeah. like, God damn. <laughs> um, but it it just works. It's it's it works on so many levels. It's 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 really really interesting. Um, uh, yeah. Um, being great. Uh, the scene where he's like in the interrogation room, fucking bolt goes for it. Yeah, you it. know, it's 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 like a monologue, but it doesn't slow down the movie. It's just all giving, and it's done in such a way where they're watching it as it has already happened, and it's intercutting with the Terminator fixing himself, and then it's almost like you're getting supplied with evidence of what Bean is saying. You yeah, know, yeah. he's not going to stop. And you see him fixing himself, and he's yeah, getting yeah. ready to go out. He's going to know. And he shows up at the police station. And, it's, and it's, it's very funny now, that little exchange where it's like, I'm a friend of Sarah Kana. Yeah. I've told her because she's here. And he's like, the guy's like, no. And he's like, you know, where is she? And then he, ha- and then he steps back, and he just he, he kind of like maps out the situation. <laughs> he's like, I'll be back. And it's, it's a brilliant line. And, I, and it, it's one of those throwaway lines where I think it's like where Clint Eastwood had said when he was doing he'd done three Dirty Harrys and they offered him the Sudden Impact movie from 83 and he didn't want to do it but he's, he knew at the time that if he did this movie he was going to make a shitload of money and he can then do some stuff independently but he read the line in the script go ahead and make my day and he goes this is going to be you know this is going to be it okay and it's kind of like a line from that where it's like a throwaway line it's just put in but 
I'll be back. Who knew that that was going to be so iconic of the 80s? Yeah, that, yeah. I think, make my day are like the biggest lines of the 80s, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, the, you know, it became Arnold's line even in non-Terminator movies. Yeah, yeah he says it in the next one. Uh, <coughs> I'll be back, Bennett, in Commando. And like, yeah, they yeah. keep saying it, I think, even to nowadays. You know? <laughs> one thing I do find funny, and this is, uh, you know, I think a product of the time. And uh, well, now there's all this technology happening. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing of like, not only is did it influence movies yeah but it's influencing technology now we have like you know animatronic uh limbs for amputees yeah they're working with headsets for people to watch that have what they call this is what they call it terminator vision really where you have like for like fire men oh. where they go in and they can you know it says the temperature and you know they, they can see body heat yeah like and so that they to assist them and they're actually calling it terminator vision wow. what i what the funny thing is like when you see the terminator vision i mean it's not like like predator vision where it's like there is like body heat and stuff it's like man terminators can't see shit yeah, look how <laughs> all the stats running down and all the this is like red blotches and black red and black blot blotches like how does this guy even get around jesus i know um yeah and, and <laughs> i love by the end of the movie where like you know he gets run over by the freaking truck yeah, great yeah. another great thing where it's like you know there's this big car crash you know she's messed up uh Bean's been shot. She's trying to get Beam out of the car. Terminator's getting messed up. <laughs> Terminator gets up, rif- lifts his head, <laughs> hit by a freaking tractor trailer truck, gets run over, uh, and gets messed up. And um, on this viewing, I never thought of it as a child. And I just want to throw away what do you think the relationship is between the truck driver and that guy? <laughs> Maybe uh, I, never, I never really thought about it. Um, I always thought it was a, like a father-son, but yeah. on this viewing, he's got blonde hair. He's a good-looking guy. I was wondering maybe he's like a like a like a like a hooker, or like yeah, a, you know, know, like he picked him up at a truck stop and he's he's hitching, you know. But I just love that too. He's like, "You stay here," and he goes out to go check. Terminator fucks him up, drags himself gr- again. Great cinematography where you just see him dragging his leg. The reveal, he gets into the cab, and the, the guy's like, let's get out of here. And he looks at him. Terminator just looks at him and he's like, get out. <laughs> and the guy just, and it's just, because Terminator doesn't have to, he knows. Yeah. It's just like, you know, the why, guy. Will, why know. waste the time? Yeah. And then you see him, like, figuring out, this is a uh, tractor-trailer truck. It uh, has probably 18 gears. You know, okay, it's, it's, a, it's a fucking shift system. This is how you work it. And then he figures out how to turn the truck on. It's just, it's brilliant. It, it, up until the end, and then, you know, his final demise. Um, now, we talked about. Uh, you talked about he takes a look and it keeps on ticking. Now we talked about a scene in Halloween Three, where at the end, which has a <laughs> yeah, you know that's interesting because that's pre-Terminator. We talked about in another cast we did for Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, Halloween our, Three, our, our, our Halloween 2014 cast. Yeah, we did Halloween Three, season of the witch, and at the end of the movie, which it was my first Spoiler viewing. Spoiler alert! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if you hadn't seen it already, uh, it, it was my first viewing of the movie, and at the end of the movie. Uh, too much to get into, but then it's the, the the female character turns out to be a robot at that at that point, not so much like a Terminator, but she has very ter- Terminator esque nuances about her, where she's like a uh, a marionette gone awry slash Bishop from Aliens robot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, she takes a lick and it keeps on ticking. She does even so much that her limbs are acting on their own. Yeah, grabbing, which I don't. You know, luckily is not a 
a mark of the Terminator. Because <laughs> yeah, that, like that's another brain like, goes on the Terminator uh, arm and turns it on. And you know, it's, it's very much like Return of the Living Dead, where like every inch of the zombie uh, moves. Um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Um, and you have a lot of other people, I guess, contributing to You have Mark Goldblatt, who we've brought up that we love, is a great editor who directed a movie near and dear to our hearts, uh, Dead Heat. Yeah. You know, and, and he went on to do some other stuff, and he's, he's done a lot of... Um, uh, he did The Punisher, which is our first cast, yeah. as well he directed, um, for Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Well, he didn't do it for Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. We <laughs> but, did but we did. The first cast on The Punisher, his Dolph Lundgren, 80, 89 or 90 Punisher movie. Yeah, a, there's, um, a, there's a question mark on that one because yeah. it was made and then it wasn't released right away, yada, yada, yada. And it came out straight to video. But uh, Mark Goldblatt's the editor in it. Um, I think there's a brilliant score by the guy named Brad uh, F- Fidel, F-I-E. D-E-L. It is a great score. Very. I mean, that's a theme where, you know, we were doing it at the beginning here. You know that theme. Yeah. Like, dun, dun, I mean, dun. you get to see that theme, like, in its full glory, kind of in the next movie where there's more of a budget. Yeah. Uh, but a very 80s score, but effective. Great, yeah. great score. And it's a lot of, like, um, uh, it's it's almost unconventional with like the dun 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 like a lot of percussion in the the and it's like it like it's like the it's almost the and then that theme comes back it's kind of like a piano love theme yeah well they, uh, they it's 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 true to like i guess the proper scores in movies where you'll have like a like a gershwin or like a you know rogers and hammerstein score where you know, say if the it's Irving Berlin's always, I'll be loving you always, and then that that is repeated in different arrangements throughout yeah, the movie. Yeah. If you're able to just pick up on it, and that's the same thing with this score, where you'll hear like, even to the point with the Terminator, dun 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 dun, you know, where he's walking around, yeah, and like you're yeah. saying, like there's this very like passionate tour de force <laughs> where they're making love in the motel with the with on the piano, you know, and that was the first shot of breasts i can't remember from the yeah you know that's the god bless linda hamilton it's uh, and it's, god bless jim cameron for being able to be married to linda hamilton for a little while uh that some boobies i had for the longest time i had my copy of terminator yours was copied off of hbo mine was copied off of wxxa tv 23's like late night movie which was just like a UHF channel. It was like the Fox affiliate in, in uh, the Albany, New York area. And mine was taped off of there. And I don't know if it was because it was past 10 o'clock. You said yours had? Mine had had the boobs in it. How about the swearing? With commercials. And I believe it had the... I don't believe it was cut. I mean, now, who knows in retrospect. But uh, I know it had that. And um, it was funny because uh, I was watching a documentary... On like IFC or something, and I or Sundance Channel. I can't remember what channel it was, but it was about like sexuality in film, and it was talking a lot about all kinds of things. And there was like this one uh, homosexual uh, young guy who I don't know if he's a film critic or what, but they were basically talking about stuff, and he kind of, you know, he had a he had a uh, a straight brother and he was talking about how like basically you know like for both of them that scene was like 
you know, like beat off material for them as youngsters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because like he was attracted to Michael Bean and she was, and, he, and his brother was attracted to Linda Hamilton. You know, not implying that they did it at the same time or whatever, but he's like, that tape, you know, got wore the fuck out, that scene. And uh, I'm sure, I, I'm I, sure every young, young man <laughs> our age. You know, I, th- I think everybody from our generation. It's like that, like the hot to the feature video for the Van Halen hot had, to the feature had video. Some, had some static lines on, on yeah, that, that scene that, of their. That tape. scene was worn out. You know, um, yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing. And then also, I mean, uh, I guess to since we're talking about Linda Hamilton, they said that right prior to shooting, she broke her ankle, so that that delayed shooting, and they had to rearrange shooting around her. And they said that they would just wrap her ankle. And to her credit, I mean, there's those scenes where she's she's has to hightail it. She's yeah, running yeah. down the alleyway at the beginning after Tech Noir, or at the end where she's on that ankle and she's just freaking just you know you know what the hell. I'm, and I I I when we were seniors in college, I broke my ankle and fuck it, we just went through it. And I I I ended up messing it up for an extra six months because we were at the time we were all shooting our own films. Yeah, and, yeah. And I was walking around with a Nagra strapped to me, uh, which is a reel-to-reel recording device for people who don't know. On like, you know, a friend of ours was shooting like on a beach, so I'm walking on rocks, <laughs> and you know, so you know, it's tough to yeah, work on yeah. a, a busted ankle, but it's just, it turns out to be a great movie. I don't know, have we covered all the basics with the film? Um, I think people don't need to be told how influential it is. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's turned everything out, and then I mean, it turned out a great point. sequel, Terminator Two, is just it's phenomenal. My heart is still. I mean, I don't know if you want to argue what's the better movie. Oh, I would go with the first one. Yeah, I mean, Terminator Two is such a great movie. It's I'm not going to take anything. But away it's from much that. more of a spectacle. Yeah, but it's not done in a way that it's it's not. You know, it's interesting. Have it's you not ever showing s- itself off to be. One. Have you ever watched the deleted scenes for the first one? Yes. Yeah. With with uh, yeah the the one where he's when they they leave the tunnel after like the beginning of the third act. Uh, well, there's just that there's all this stuff that is. More of the two cops that become no blue. There's a lot of stuff with the two cops, and there's a couple of really nice moments where you like you watch it, you're like, oh, I wish that was still yeah. in there. Or like, we, yeah, when he gave at the end of the movie when um, Lance Henriksen when they when he comes to the police station, terror t- destroys the police station. Lance Hen and there that that's another thing where it's the little like denouement with the two cops where uh, they all get automatic weapons. Uh, Paul Winfield steps out, gets shot by the Terminator, and and he's still alive. And then Lance Henriksen's like, Ed, like you could tell they love each other. And then yeah, yeah. Lance Henriksen is killed. And then a deleted scene is when they're escaping, they, uh, Kyle and Linda Hamilton, they stumble across the dying Paul Winfield. Yeah, and yeah. Paul Winfield, that's how he gets a gun. He goes, yeah. you're right. I knew, yeah, you know, like, you, you yeah. got to well, you know what's, you gotta protect You her. know what's really interesting, though, actually, since we're talking about Paul Winfield? I don't know if you watched him in the movie, but once they get Sarah Connor to the police station and you have the psychiatrist come in, yeah. Everyone is berating uh, uh, Kyle, yeah, Michael yeah. Bean's character, you know, and they're just they're laughing about yeah, it. Yeah, like he's crazy. Yeah, uh, you know, there's that ongoing joke which is brilliant. Like Lance Henderson's like, you know, like uh, we had a guy last week with his, you know, he set himself on fire he, with an Afghan. He fucked it first, and like it's like, Ed, shut up, you know, you know. And that's that's the running joke that Michael uh, Lance Henderson keeps telling these funny stories. Like there was this guy once you see the scar, and he's like, yeah, just yeah. take this and shut up, but. If you watch Paul Winfield's face, he, I think, is actually in the back of his head. Like, what if this is, what yeah. if he's right? Yeah, because he's, he's, he's the only one that's, like, not joking around. Yeah, yeah. And he's the one that's like, Doc, turn the tape off when he's fr- flipping yeah. out. He's either, like, 
he's either like, what if he's right? Or he's like, he this, sees, guy's, this guy's troubled and this is not a joke. Yeah, or he's seen so much crazy shit in his time as a cop in like, you know, the skid row of L.A. What happens if this is... this? But the other deleted scenes are the plot to Terminator 2. Yeah. It's like, you know, Linda Hamilton is like, if he can come back and kill John Connor by killing me, why can't we kill the Terminators by destroying Skynet like Cyberdyne yeah and so like the pipe bombs they make in the in the hotel room are not to destroy the Terminator they're gonna go blow up Cyberdyne yeah um and then you have then there's like a deleted scene uh well actually you don't the scene's in there where like they're like they're like hey look at this fucking process or whatever but then there's a shot where like they load Linda Hamilton in a, in a ho- into an ambulance and oh, at the very end, and then it comes up, and it's like they, you know, like it's another chicken or the egg. Like, did they create it, or was you know, it's Cyberdyne, where's where the end of the the climax of the movie happens, and it's like, you know, they're going to it. That's why they're so close to it. And that's why they end up there. Yeah, it's because that's the whole plot. It's like Michael Bean and her. Michael Bean at first is like, you know, that's not my mission. I just need to protect you. And she's Are like, they Don't so, you- so you're saying is that. The place they stumble into once they blow up the tanker truck, is that supposed to be Cyberdyne? That is Cyberdyne. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just it's a, deleted. Nearby, it's a nearby factory. It's deleted. Oh. <laughs> but. Uh, that factory is supposed to be this. In the deleted scene. And that's scenes. why. Oh, see, that, that makes perfect sense because that's in why. In the next movie, they like to have the chip. Yeah, right? because they just didn't tell the cops. Cyberdyne showed up, saw all this shit laying around. Just said, oh, it's it's from our machinery, and then yeah, that's yeah. how they get the advanced attack. Oh, because I always maybe thought- that scene is also the, there's two guys. He's like, hey, look at this chip, and yeah. then the cops go by, and he's like, keep it on the down low. That's funny because then I and then because that was the big plot hole, I guess, for me in, in Terminator Two. Because like, then why term- the hell didn't no one know that they have the arm? Yeah, yeah, or they have whatever they had some other parts that were left, like you know there was whatever was crushed in the machine. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's got to be enough there for them to realize that where there was a chassis, yeah, a head, yeah, a skull, yeah. so. Um, and you know there's there's probably from the shoulder there's a whole freaking um, uh, what do you call that here bicep yeah, yeah. that's out there. So there's this whole subplot that got kind of cut out of the movie, which is that uh, Sarah and Kyle are going to go destroy Cyberdyne. Cyberdyne. That's interesting. And like that's what they're gearing up for. Well, that, that you know that's even more in the hotel room. I mean, everyone you know there's speculation about. Um, George Lucas and what he had planned for his Star Wars movies. Well, look at fucking Cameron. Cameron already knew. Yeah, yeah. They're going in. And it's interesting because Cameron had an idea for the third one. And there's a great, for anybody out there who um, reads comic books, there's a great, great series that was done by, um, uh, oh, what the hell's the name? Of, I forget the name of the, um, the, they put out like a 20-issue Terminator series like in the late 80s, early 90s comic book. But then they put out this five-parter called The Burning Earth. And I forget who who put out the the name of the company, uh, maybe Dark Horse, I forget the name of it, and it's I, I found out recently because I own them all, it's the first comic book ever uh, illustrated by Alex Ross, and he does this five-parter called The Burning Earth, and, it's, and it came out in 1989 or 90, and it's based off the lore of just the first Terminator movie, so it's pre-Terminator 2, but Cameron had to have some sort of involvement because what it basically is, it's a prequel, but it's, it takes place in the future, and it leads up to them the climactic in issue five is them sending kyle back they've they've they they take over the compound or the skynet base that has a time travel machine they found out a terminator has already gone back and they send kyle 
back. Yeah. And that's how the issue ends. And if, if you're a Terminator fan, you should really seek out on eBay or wherever this, it's called the Burning Earth, and it's a five-parter Terminator issue. It's very good. Yeah. Um, but it's look at the foresight, because then you have, um, he did Terminator 2, and he, he had plans to do Terminator 3, and they were like, eh, they kind of like pussyfooted with him. And there was some sort of, I think we've alluded to this in another podcast, where at the time he... Uh, I think Orion went under or somebody went under and he sold the rights for like a buck for Terminator on the the promise or the verbal promise he was going to get them back in the 90s but then behind his back the company sold them to maybe I don't know who owns them now yeah. and so in the mid 90s when he was going to Terminator 3 he had this whole trilogy and I think the third one was going to be in the future um, they started you know giving him the runaround and that's when he went and did True Lies but he had like a script written you know, a lot of people don't realize that Cameron is as much as a scriptwriter as he is a, a director. And he, uh, Stallone saw Terminator, loved it so much. He said, hey, look, I want to do a, a second Rambo. Can you help me? And Cameron's like, sure. Uh, and Cameron went and watched Rambo First Blood, liked it so much with that tone in mind, wrote like a phone book yeah, for yeah. him for Rambo too, and then gave it to Stallone. Stallone liked it. And I guess he kept it a little more apolitical because I guess... Rambo 2 ends up being a little more Reagan era right leaning yeah, yeah. they kept um, a certain amount of uh, his action sequences and his kind of like plot in it but uh, Stallone was like thank you very much and kind of made his own movie but you know uh, Cameron's just shitting these things out you know left and right so he never got to make the third Terminator movie and, and the, 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 I guess the urban legend or the speculation is come 2018 or 19 the Terminator rights revert back to him so you wonder now, as of this recording, it's just been announced that uh, his Avatar movies, he's doing like the second, third, and fourth in succession. Like, um, yeah, yeah. What's they've his been face delayed, did? right? Yeah, they've been delayed now. They're supposed to come out like December 16. They're coming out now on December 17, and then he's going to put them out, I guess, like w one after the other. And, you know, So maybe when he's done with them, he'll get around and do like a third Terminator and maybe make it so that the third Terminator and the fourth Terminator aren't Bible, just like they didn't happen. Yeah, you know? yeah. What do you um, think of the... You and I saw the third one together, and that the, was the last time I saw it. At the, that's the only time I saw it. Also, yeah. I, I don't. I you know, the, I'm almost curious just to watch it now because now I, it's been. I we feel saw like it at the movies. We, I mean, we watched it at the movies, Fourth of July, whatever year I've, it came I've, out. I've kept it. Came out in Fourth of July, two thousand three, and I, I I feel like I've I've caught bits of it on television, and I think the the things that I that stick with me about it was I really dug one that the the positives for me was they brought back the psych the psychiatrist for the third one just for a little cameo. I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah. And two, I liked that action sequence that I guess Schwarzenegger put money in the, the the whole thing with the fire truck. That was pretty cool. And he had like fun that. But aside from that Did you see the fourth one? I did see the fourth one. I haven't I, seen it since the movies, but I remember liking it enough when I saw it. Well I I thought I could have used the tripod, but Yeah, I mean <laughs> the end of the the, the only other uh, grab I had about the third ones. I didn't think they explored that woman at all. She was just a throwaway. Like you know, for me the the Terminator franchise, the villains have been very cool. T one thousand is awesome. Her, she's just a throwaway. She's yeah, and I felt like she was like a step backwards. Yeah, from the T one thousand. You didn't really like. You know, I understood that she was like a female, and she can. And do she was things. supposed to be like a uh, a newer model of the T one thousand. Like, she was like the T one thousand, but could have moving mechanical yeah, parts. She was like the iPhone 6 or whatever. <laughs> but I didn't but I thought like ultimately she was not Well, she a was step just like up. a MacGuffin and it was annoying. So that and I liked I guess how it ended. I liked how it was you know th that it was already the fate was going to be predestined anyway, so they ended in like a bunker. 
the fourth one I had such high hopes for, and that kind of left me like, eh. I remember thinking it was okay. You know, I liked. I wish there was more in the future, like more of the T six hundred. That, that which was the first version of the Terminator that you only see like glimpses of, where he's walking around with a minigun in the cities killing yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. I think I wish there was more of that. That other guy really annoyed me. The um, the guy who turned up to be a Terminator. What's that actor's name? Um, yeah, because uh, he he has in, in real life he's like Australian, and in that movie he's like just dipping out of his accent. And yeah, he's like yeah. English American to Australian, and I'm thinking. Is this intentional because he's a robot he doesn't know, or is you know? And then Christian Bale kind of annoyed me as the uh, you know, and that all, the, I don't know, and because they kind of turned it into like kind of Transformers. Yeah, they had like big robots picking people up, and I don't know. I remember uh, I haven't seen it since the movies. I remember liking it enough. I guess maybe I, I had my hopes up so high. Yeah, I remember thinking that funny enough, the kid who plays Chekhov in the Star Trek movies did an okay job as yeah. a as like a, a young Reese. Um, and uh, the TV show. Did you ever end up watching Sarah Connor, Sarah, Chron- uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles? I watched the first couple episodes, and that was really cool. Yeah. I love the girl that played Sarah Connor in it that's now in Game of Thrones. I, yeah, I, yeah. I have a big crush on her. Uh, but it only got, like, what, a season or two? Two seasons. And I, think. It, and it, I think, if I remember correctly, and it ends on, like, like, a huge in, climax. Uh, right? Yeah, and then they never come back. That's, that's a shame. It's got so, summer clouds. And, yeah, I was going to say from her from uh, Firefly. She's in it. Um, it's good. I remember. I mean, I haven't seen it since it aired, uh, but I remember really liking it and thinking it was pretty decent. And then, like I said, it ends with spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, it ends with them going to the future. Oh wow! So like the last scene of the last episode is like Sarah and John. Do they all get naked? <laughs> I, I don't think they're naked, but they end up and they're like in the future and like shit's about to go down and it's like credits. Wow. And that's it. It's yeah. like to be concluded. To my that's, recollection. And that's uh, we've talked about this like in, I think in the Flash we did the Flash TV show from 1990s cast where it's like you know you have high hopes for these shows and they get canceled like Firefly You're like oh, where is it gonna go <laughs> oh we know we'll, we'll never know and then maybe fans will take over and well they speculate. came up with a movie and then for Serenity but uh, yeah uh, yeah so I mean it's had a life way past a, a, a Terminator a single Terminator movie yeah um, almost as much of a life as Highlander which maybe will be another cast oh, you love the Highlander I just think it's what I think is crazy about Highlander is like how much it spawned yeah you know because it's not a great movie yeah and yet there's like so many sequels there's made for the TV, TV sequels show. there's yeah. a cartoon there was a cartoon show oh, wow. there was two TV shows I mean does Sean Connery show up is he in the original he's in the original one and the second one that's funny uh, and Mario Van Peoples and your your, your guy uh, Lambert, <laughs> Christopher Lambert, you love yeah. him. Um, I don't. It's 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 weird. I mean, even I guess I, I like to put in for the real diehard fans. I, I'm sure you remember, but when Terminator Two came out, they also coincided with that really sweet ass dope arcade game. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that fucking thing? I had like the arcade game for. I guess Genesis. Yeah, it was but like I remember Genesis version of the arcade game, where it's like, yeah, like one in the arcade had like with the, the two guns. guns. Oh the my two god, guns. that was amazing. And it, you know, just uh, I, you know, you, you start off in the future and you go back in time with the T one thousand. I mean, maybe down the line we should do Terminator two for the for the cast. Yeah, definitely. And do the special. That's do, another one I haven't seen in a really fucking long time. Do the director's cut of that one because that's that thing I, I I love again. Uh, I mean, they they hit gold with that. I mean, how can you go wrong? They took the biggest. Um, I mean. Another brilliant stroke. I don't know whose idea it was, but like you take, at the time, what was the other biggest thing going was Guns N' Roses. So <laughs> you take their huge album, The Usual Illusions One and Two, and you, you could be mine. Make a, use that to be the theme song for Terminator Two, and then when that premiered on MTV, 
uh, that music video, that was the first glimpse of footage for Terminator 2. So, and then Schwarzenegger's in the video. It's just yeah, it's a yeah. stroke of brilliance. Because that album, those two albums, the Gangbusters at the time, uh, they were at the height of their popularity, Guns N' Roses. Terminator 2, is, you know, everyone's like, oh my God, you're doing a sequel. So it's just... It was. It just couldn't be written better. Oh, what did you? What, what do you think for um, uh, Sleepover Stars? Or five, man. Yeah, five. me too. Five, five out of five. five mega Six Joel out of five. <laughs> five mega Joel Colas, man. Yeah, five. Sleepover I mean, I don't stars. think you get. You know, like I said, this is the first. I think, like, genuinely, genuinely important movie we've done. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's going. And it's definitely not going against. You know, kind of our. Uh, you know, it's a sleepover classic. I mean, this is a movie that you and I grew up with. You know, I for wore sure. that tape out. I mean, I mean, I know that movie line for line. I can probably do it. You know, if we ever did like an audio, <laughs> did like a, an audio play. Of it, I would can. love to do it. I'll like take something like that and do an audio play. Yeah. Uh, It'd be so funny. But uh, yeah, I mean, classic man. I and mean, I, I, I own both the soundtracks. They're both uh, very expensive to find, but I own the the uh, score as well as the soundtrack with those. You know, like. Uh, with the songs from Tech Noir. And yeah, stuff. yeah, you know the I'm burning, burning for you. You know, oh, it's, oh, yeah, it's yeah. such a good, you know, uh, la 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 la. Oh Jesus, it's, it's just I actually listen to those songs. I'm, 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 uh, full disclosure, I have them on my iPod. It's like, yeah, good eighties classic. I mean, classic. Yeah. Uh, it's thought provoking even to this day. I can't even think of a. If you were to ask me what the only gripe was with the movie, I can't even groundbreaking. Um, you know, it's. Uh, and it spawns so much. I mean, almost like a subgenre of like I don't I wouldn't say RoboCop is a direct byproduct of it, but it's like you have all this other things that came out of like that could be kind of, you know. And then especially out of Cameron, he gave Cameron such a platform. And I mean, he's a genius in what he's writing and putting out. And it's just, it's it's really good. And then you know, Terminator Two as well. Stan Winston. Stan, God bless Stan Winston. Yeah, taken too soon. Rest in peace, man. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we loved it. Uh, uh, it's it, it's a really really good good and you know and everybody really puts pours their heart out and if everybody if anybody knocks Schwarzenegger nowadays you know go see fucking Terminator yeah he's he's he's, he's a genius in it uh really well so um thank you very much for listening I guess we'll wrap this up uh check us out on podwits.com we do a lot of stuff you and I Blake we do the sidecast on podwits.com yeah. uh we're on uh Facebook we're on Twitter you can get Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers on iTunes. Our direct site is saturdaysleepovers.podwits.com. Please email us. uh, Leave us some messages of stuff you'd like us to maybe do in the future that you watched growing up on a Saturday sleepover. Uh, Give us comments about the cast, which you agree or disagree with, or any other knowledge we've left out of these things about the movies we've done so far. Yeah, I mean, I would love to hear... Your stories about you know how yeah. about your, you know your Terminator or whatever these movie stories <laughs> yeah or if you have a movie you know recommend it and tell us your story and maybe we'll talk about your great. story while we talk about our stories yeah uh, it'd be really good so uh, you know and uh, Blake where they can where can they find you uh, find my music at jblakeblues.com. sweet all right and uh, check us out and uh, please uh, tell friends about us and recommend us and uh, you know just pass us on retweet us baby. Uh, so until next time, we'll, we'll, we'll always be here and uh, we'll always be watching those sleepover movies. <laughs> Later. Mira, mira. Allá, viene una tormenta. What did he just say? He said there's a storm coming. I know. 
You're listening to AM331.